With 80 plus episodes in the vault and more than $3 million in total compensation increases received by The Secrets Village, KP and PR are still dropping jewels. Secrets continues to validate that you are not crazy with the challenges faced in trying to reach and exceed your career aspirations. A listener describes Secrets as helping to pinpoint areas I need to develop and conversations I never knew I needed to hear. And season five will definitely not disappoint as they continue to deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to increase your market value by building generational wealth. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have paid their dues to reach the top of corporate America, and they want to share their stories with you to transform your journey. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season five. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Secrets. Ricky, how you doing my brother? Man, I'm doing pretty good, KP. I've been reflecting on that episode we did a couple weeks back on Hispanics in corporate America and how not a damn thing has changed in the past two plus years. Joy. Man, the numbers were like damn near exact. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. And I also have been just reminding our Secrets Village over the past two years that we had a short window to act on things and demand accountability and results as black people, because we would soon be out of fashion or out of season. Yes. (laughs) No, like we talked about this, we talked about this and it has been predictably confirmed, sadly, you know, that it looks like that moment that we had talked about, you know, in terms of the season passing has arrived. We are here. And we are here. Your prediction was spot on. Like you said, everybody liked chocolate for a month. <laughs> exactly. But now they sick of it. <laughs> now, they uh-huh. sick of it. <laughs> now they sick of it. And one of the ironies is that, you know, the same day that we released that episode about Hispanics in the workplace, the news broke about the L.A. city council members saying racist shit about black people in one of their closed door meetings. Right. And so, and, and the so, mic, the, the mic is always hot, Keith. The mic is always hot. The mic is always hot. <laughs> but the thing happened like months ago. It wasn't like it just happened. It happened so time ago. It's like, huh? So how does this just pop up out of the blue? You know, my first reaction would be all like DMX and lose my mind up in here, right? <laughs> and uh, like go after the sisters. And but and then I took a deep breath and I said, this may be another one of them American rope dopes. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I sat there and go, well, it didn't just happen. They've been sitting on this shit for a little while. And then it just they're going to release it now to the public. And then it was like, why come the news is focusing on this Hispanic person saying racist shit about black people when we know every single day some racist shit is being said by the man in meetings and country clubs and boardrooms around the country. Right. So yeah. for me, it looked a little suspicious. But (laughs) not that I'm condoning what she said, but it still looked a little suspicious to me. And I just began to feel like it was another attempt to pit marginalized groups against each other and take the eye off the real prize of dismantling all this oppression, right? Absolutely. Let's get the eyes off us and let them do some some infighting, you know, there. Look, KP, I think you called it, man. I mean, it was 
a little shaky, you know, in terms of the time. And it was like a story of convenience, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like not trying to do the right thing is about convenience. And look, we've talked in that prior episode about the need to have solidarity, you know, amongst marginalized people. Like you and I say, like being on code. Yeah, you know? being on code. And not allow the system just to break us apart, right? Because they're good right. at doing it. Oh, they're good at doing it. That's part of the game. That's- yeah, history has shown every movement is infiltrated to break the movement apart. Absolutely. That's the quote-unquote master class, not yeah. the whole entendre. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So look, man, diversity fatigue has definitely set in, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Oaks is tired. We did that already. And now we're seeing some of the old clickbait being deployed to distract everyone from dismantling the systems that continue to hold marginalized people back, right? Yep. Like, it's like... Same old story. We was we 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 got you distracted by this, and we gave you some buttered biscuits, some trinkets here. That's we're right. about to get back. We about to start talking about the real stuff again. We going right back. That's right, right back where we started again. Uh huh. Well, yeah. We're going, back to, we're going back to making America great again. Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that leads us into today's conversation. Where in this episode, we'll define diversity fatigue and look how it shows up in the workplace. We'll provide you with some receipts on the impact of diversity fatigue. And we'll close out with providing a double dose of secrets on how to deal with diversity fatigue, both individually and as an organization. So look, Keith, let's start out by just defining diversity fatigue for our listeners. My definition is simply People get tired of talking about DE and I and belonging, you know, efforts or the lack thereof. So they get tired about talking about it and people get tired of not seeing, you know, any action. And according to the New Yorker, diversity fatigue at its most basic, you know, form boils down to a disconnect here. Either you're saying one thing and doing something different or your leaders are promoting a certain mindset and approach without it being echoed by the wider organization. And this just gets back to all of the performative acts, you know, that we've talked about in nauseum, (laughs) you know, here, right? Mm -hmm. Organizations really aren't committed to the work and soon start chasing the next shiny object, right? That's right. That's right. Get them accolades or get them magazine write-ups or yep. get them applauded by the board. That's right. Anything. That Absolutely. Or get them out of trouble. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. When they mess up. And we've all seen diversity fatigue in action. And we wanted to give you like a few examples of what that looks like and some of the personal experiences that we've had in some of these situations. So Ricky, this first one will probably feel familiar to all of us. You got a company they create all these ambitious DNI mission statements and goals, yet they continue to fall woefully short of meeting any of those expectations, right? And over time, they churn through chief diversity officer after chief diversity officer, and then they got to reset the clock every time, you know, a new person comes in. And after a few years, they're just like, fuck it. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. we're out of time. Right. And they just blame it on those chief diversity officers that they've kind of churned through the system over the years of they want the right person or they want a line or they were doing this or that or the other thing. And there's just other stuff that we need to focus on now at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. It's unfortunate that the chief diversity officer is the one that, you know, takes 
the fall. You yes. know, for, it's like, again, in many organizations, we talked about glass cliff opportunities in the past. Yeah, this can be this can be glass, glass the number one glass cliff chief opportunity that's out there at the end of the day. I remember talking to a friend of mine. They're like, we've turned through three chief diversity offices in two years, in two years. And it turned through three chiefs. One of them wasn't a good fit, too militaristic. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they're thing, talking about know? change. They're talking about change. Out there, they're talking about change and demand us to actually do something about it. Do something. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Come on. Look, 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 Keith. uh, Here's another one for you. So there's a huge effort to recruit and retain diverse employees. BIPOC uh, employees are invited to be in glossy photo shoots, you know, slickly produced videos and sent a few sent to like a to a few conferences to recruit other people to look like them. Now again, this in uh, can be extremely harmful because the companies that are really trying to create the right employee value proposition internally and external to the organization, this gives them a bad you know, rap because there are other companies who are doing this stuff and they don't have good intentions. They want to look like they're doing the right things, but they're really not. So there's an initial like bump in numbers when these efforts are taking place. There's an initial yeah. bump in numbers and then an equal number leaving in droves after a couple of years because you get them here. That's right. You get them. You didn't really have any, you know, intentions on kind of integrating them. Yeah, supporting them. Like none of those types of things there. So, you know, pretty soon the incoming pipeline, you know, dries up. Yeah, right? so the word is out. Word exactly. Is out. Like Don't they play. Yeah, they play. They're messing around. They ain't serious. They ain't and serious. Like, and instead of instead of like diagnosing the problem, the company line becomes there's just not enough diverse talent in the fields we're recruiting for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know where to find them. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> How many times have we heard that shit? Yeah, yeah, that broken record, man. Golly. <laughs> Here's another one. You put all these trainings in place, you know, especially for the optional ones, because that's the real rope dope, right? You have the optional DNI trainings, and only the BIPOC people show up. You know, only the people who are quote unquote drinking the Kool-Aid are coming mm-hmm. to the training. So this is just like the perfect example of a preacher preaching to the choir. Don't none of us need to be in that room. We already know what's going on. We don't need the training. It's all those other 99% of the people who need it that ain't in the room. Because they were able to opt out. They were able to opt out. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this may show a lack of management commitment and buy-in. And it also sends a signal to all of us that we don't give a shit about this. That's right. And basically, this is all about political correctness and marketing and checking the box at the end of the day. But even more harmful is those poorly constructed mandatory trainings, which tend to cause harm for marginalized people and create resentment among white people. I mean, I can remember a training where they were trying to get us to go back to the slave times and think about what it would be like to be you know, either the master or the slave. Why? But the crazy part about even that story is somebody was getting paid to think this was a good-ass idea. This was a good-ass idea to somebody. This was a good-ass idea. Like, like, man, we're talking like somebody's job 
right. was to come up with ideas. Right. And, and somebody nice. said, and somebody said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Look, man, I mean, you also get the yeah, but you know, response anytime you bring up a DEI topic, right? And you can yeah. see the discomfort, you can see the sigh, you know, come in. I can recall a recent conversation with a very high-ranking executive, and I asked him about his philosophy on gender and ethnic representation. Uh-huh. You know, as we had spoken about the need to have aspirational goals. This was a major reason why I had joined the organization mm-hmm. is because I can help us change the paradigm, yeah. you know, here a little bit. Right. But we had not really aligned on how we would accomplish them or what the actual goals would be. Like we knew we wanted to have some aspirational ones, mm-hmm. but I could never really get them to say, yeah. Yeah, that's you right. Know, you yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm in. I'm in. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great no. idea. Yeah, this is a great idea until you ask somebody to donate time, resources, and uh, whatnot. And, you know, I really, really wish I was making up this response here, Keith. But when I pressed the leader for his point of view, he said, yeah, I think we have all been through like just so much you know, um, over the last two, three years. So to be honest with you, I really don't want to make a big deal out of the representation issue. What? And what he said, like, I wish I was making this up. It was one of those, uh, one of those Scooby-Doo moments when I was like, ruh row. I was like trying to figure it out, you know, what he was saying there. But now if there is a tie, like what he told me was now, if there is a tie between a man and a woman, we'll give it to the woman. Like we're not even talking. We're like, if it's a tie. Now, it's like, a tie. first of all, first of all, when is the last time you like a damn tie? A tie. And without the NFL is one tie uh, yeah. many games of the season. Damn, exactly. So and, and then he says, now if there is an ethnically diverse individual in the mix for the job, we'll consider that person. Oh, so they're in the mix. Yeah. So in my mind, if you're not doing anything to put a mix together. Okay, if you're not doing anything to drive people to the table, again, we're talking about the diversity fatigue and the performative act here. Now, KP, if that wasn't diversity fatigue at its finest, then what the hell kind of response was that? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it was either fatigue or racist. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. You, and you remember back in the day when you'd be asking some of your, your your old uncles and stuff like, hey, what you know good? Okay, <laughs> then say, I can't call it. I can't call it. You got the best hand. Keith, I couldn't call it, man. After you said that, I was yeah, like, bro, you're I done. can't call it, man. You're yeah. done. You're like, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I ain't going to be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't yeah. going to be able to not, yeah, it's time to it's time to cut the losses. Time to cut the losses, and at the end of the day, a lot of this diversity fatigue really comes down to a lack of empathy. What that dude just said showed no empathy at all. That was just like a robot talking, right? And at the, I subscribe to this uh, newsletter called the Anti Racist Daily, and I love reading it every morning. That kind of gets me going, gets my juices flowing, so I'm ready for the day, ready to tackle the world. Get you feeling like Malcolm X as you take over the day exactly. and stuff. I know, I know. That's I right. Know. I could throw a new issue out there or something on the table. <laughs> but they recently did this whole piece on empathy, which I loved. And I just wanted to read a little bit to you and to our listeners out there. So what they said in this episode in the newsletter was almost three years into the pandemic, 
Americans have seen unresolved civil unrest, millions struggling to survive a mismanaged global health crisis, the unraveling of rights, and anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ legislation being introduced across the country. The waning of political and social consciousness suggests that Americans are experiencing an empathy deficit, something President Obama said was more pressing than the country's federal deficit in an interview with The Guardian, right? That is the... That's talking about diversity fatigue. At the end of the day, it's just like, okay, we've been dealing with all this shit and things, you know, we're just tired. We're tired of talking about it. And so we just going to blow it all up and go back to our old racist, crazy ways and just try and go back. They also uh, pointed to a commencement address that uh, President Obama did in 2006. And he said this as part of his address when he was speaking to the students. And he said, As you go on in life, cultivating this quality of empathy will become harder, not easier. There is no community service requirement in the real world. No one forcing you to care. You'll be free to live in neighborhoods with people who are exactly like yourself and send your kids to the same schools and narrow your concerns to what's going on in your own little circle. But what I found in my life is that my individual salvation depends on our collective salvation. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's deep. That's extremely, extremely deep. But, you know, the crazy part about that is, you know, we know a lot of people and some of the folks in the majority will dismiss that whole statement. They'll dismiss the whole thing. Totally. (laughs) One, because it came from Obama. Yeah, absolutely. And two, it's like, like, uh, no, that's too, that's too close to reality. I'm no, I, no, just no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, you, you're right. I mean, like drop the mic president Obama. Right. Cause, cause I, like he did that, you know, right there. Right. That lack of empathy, the inability to walk in other people's shoes, that inability to see your biases, that lack of understanding or acknowledgement of your positional power or privilege all of that shit is what leads to diversity fatigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you talk about how I'm tired of you talking about this? Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, exactly. like I did. Like, like really? I- yeah, <laughs> like I did not, so to speak. It remains all about you instead of what's best for everyone else around you. Absolutely. And that's a self-awareness piece because if we're really going to change, we're going to have to like, be a little self-reflective and yeah. self-aware mm-hmm. they to make that change. And when I think about the impact of all of this, the impact of diversity fatigue is that nothing ever changes, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, we continue to do, it's the definition of insanity, right? We continue to do the same stuff over and over again every few years, end up at the same place, but we expect things to just change because we we keep trying, but we keep trying the same stuff. Yeah, you know, Keith, I think the moral to the story for that for me is dismantling systems of oppression and power is hard. It is not easy. And it's strategically not easy. That's right. right. But it's so it's so necessary in terms of the work. If we really want equality and justice for all, like we have to dismantle this system of oppression. We have to acknowledge it. We got to acknowledge it. We and then gotta we got to acknowledge it. it. That's and right. Then we got to burn the shit down. 
That's right. <laughs> and, you know, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. 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 But you know what? Again, look, these are just our opinions here, Keith, that we're talking about. And I know people are like, man, they've been drinking. You know, they be coming up with these ideas and these radical, you know, philosophies and whatnot. This is the part when we all let you know you're not crazy, right? This is this is the receipts, you know, part of the show. So today we'll share some receipts on the impact of diversity fatigue on the workplace. So Keith, hit us with receipt number one. Yeah, receipt number one, according to a Glassdoor survey, when it comes to job seeking, 67% of candidates consider diversity a valuable metric for assessing an opportunity's worth. Yet, 41% of managers say they are, quote, too busy to work on DNI within their teams. <laughs> so, yeah, you got this gap of people's craving diversity, but then management saying, nah. And that's a very privileged, you know, response from the managers, right? Because it's like, it's not important right now. Like, let's that's just right. too busy. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's worry about them TPS reports. Right. You know, like they don't want to worry about <laughs> DEI. They want to worry about flair on the jackets and stuff like that. But right. again, we're saying that the sixty-seven percent of the candidates felt like this metric was was something worth the company spending time on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well over half. Well That's over right. Half. That's what they're looking for. People want to work in diverse environments where they can learn and grow from other people. Yep. Yeah, management. Just like, nah, that's not important. Yeah, all part of the system here, right? right. Receipt right. number two, receipt number two. According to uh, research done by the Harvard Business Review, now, you know, we've been easy on them uh, this, this year, but uh, we're about to hit them again. That's right. This research done by the Harvard Business Review, it said that most popular DEI interventions, mandatory diversity training, hiring tests, and grievance systems to allow employees to contest manager actions can make organizations less diverse, okay? Meaning not more That's <laughs> but right. because of managers' resistance. So again, this is huge here because we're talking opt-in and opt-out. That's right. Here. But those are the three things that companies do. They like make it mandatory, have yes. these little tests in place, or put these grievance systems in place. And those things piss people off. At the end yeah. Of the yeah, I think the positive effects of mandatory diversity training don't often last longer than a day or two and create and can they can create like a bit of a backlash, uh -huh. you know, there. Following, you know, man following mandatory diversity training in companies in the Harvard Business Review study, uh the representation among African American women changed by minus 9.2%. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> among Asian men you know, uh, minus 4.5%. And Asian women, it was minus 5.4%. So much of the decline, you know, there is attributed to negative messaging and some of the diversity training. So again, it's, you got to get this done. You know, you're coming up, you're flagged on a report because you're late on it and you need to get this done. Or we need to get this done so we can get to 100%. You know, we're looking at checking the box, but we're not talking about receiving the action. We're yeah. not talking about like the call to action. We're not talking about making things better. It's if you check the box, great things are going to happen. And that's just not how it works because no work is being put into that. Yeah. And then those mandatory things, as we talked about earlier, they can cause harm. Those numbers yes. show it you know, yeah. because the scaffolding for those trainings aren't done right. When you have us reenact, like or think about what it's been like to be in the slave times. I don't want to be a part of that. 
Like, but number one, number one, you weren't in it. Number one, you weren't in it to begin with. Like, that's you know right. what I mean? Like, and if that's what you think this is about, then we got a long way to go. Because it has we, to do. We're doomed. Yeah, we're doomed. That's we're right. Doomed. <laughs> we're doomed. We're doomed. Receipt number three. In the Catalyst Group's report, Day-to-Day Experiences with Workplace Inclusion and Exclusion, they discuss the impact of inclusion and exclusion and how it can lead to diversity fatigue. By effectively managing the coexistence of inclusion and exclusion, leaders ensure that their organizations and their employees both reap the returns on inclusion and mitigate the cost of exclusion. The Catalyst research shows, for example, that when employees feel valued for their uniqueness, and have a sense of belonging, they report feeling more team-oriented and innovative. Conversely, exclusion comes at a great cost to organizations in the form of compromised job satisfaction, lower sense of well-being, reduced work effort, diminished employee voice, and greater intention to leave. Quiet quitting. I know we keep talking about that. <laughs> you know, like, quiet That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exclusion. Exclusion. Um, That's and leaders have to manage both, right? So when you mm-hmm. see somebody being excluded, you got to figure out a way to flip that around and include them. Yeah, and and when they're excluded, it's not you reprimanding them or writing them down for that. Like, what are you what are you not doing as a leader? Right, you create that safe space, whether that's psychological, actual, physical, you know, for them to be able to perform. So look, uh, Keith, receipt number four in that same Catalyst report, it also points out. The big difference between diversity and inclusion, which often gets conflated, okay, Uh, while, while diversity refers to the composition of a work group, namely whether different demographic groups are represented, inclusion speaks to a person's ability to contribute to and fully participate in the workplace. We were just, you know, speaking to that. Inclusion is also realized through the combined recognition of employees' sense of uniqueness and belongingness. The problem is that observable growth and diversity was often mistakenly conflated with with or considered a definition of inclusion, which it is not. So again, we're, we're mixing up. Many organizations get to the point of improving diversity, then begin to question whether they should prioritize inclusion any further. I guess they just get tired after that little bit of work they did. And they're like, break time. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's exactly. Maybe we just focus on something else. But I think this is critical because it double clicks on receipt number three. You know, with receipt number four here, it talks about the results of, yeah. you know, all of those things. Absolutely. And how companies, you know, it's like, oh, hey, I got three more black women and I got five more Asians. And then it's mm-hmm. like, I'm done. I'd have done my work. You just now, why are they leaving? Yeah, now why are they leaving? Now, why did they just leave? Yeah, right. We, we I guess they weren't the right fit. They weren't the yeah, right fit. Yeah, I think that's what the terms we like to use. That's right. Yes. Right. So look, Keith, I mean, I just think it's interesting. I mean, look, we have the uh, receipts to kind of talk about why this is an important issue here as we're talking about diversity fatigue. What we want to be able to do now is just kind of navigate or transition into the secrets, like in terms of the call of that call to action, you know, for our listeners. So today we'll provide Three secrets on how to overcome diversity fatigue. Secret number one, look in the mirror. Secret number two, act, don't perform. And secret number three, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) 
love it. Uh, no, secret number one, Keith, hit us with it, man. Yeah, look secret number one of that looking in the mirror. Because you have to look at your own unique challenges and how they have impacted the way you see the world at the end of the day. Because if you don't understand all the things that you've been through and all the things that you've been a part of, that's going to impact, that impacts how you see the world and that impacts how you see other people. And at some point it may give you that lack of empathy because it's like, well, I did these things and that was my experience. And so you're projecting your experience, you know, onto them. And so when you try and empathize uh, with the challenges of others, it's hard, but that empathy really requires you to look beyond your perspective appreciate someone else's, connect without judgment, learn and stay present. And if you want to check out, you know, check your biases, there are tools like the implicit association test and the American dream score. And we'll make sure to include those in the show notes where you can just look at where do I have those blind spots and, you know, really where my dreams are, where's the gaps in terms of what I think I want and where I'm at today. Right. Again, those will be in the show notes, right? Yeah. So, Keith, I think I think uh, as you're talking about that, that just, you know, as we always talk to folks about the importance of self-discovery. You yes. Know, before you can kind of move forward and get that next great opportunity before you can be a great leader. You have to go through that self-discovery. I mean, I think the other part of this is you have to be self-aware. You got to be self-aware. Like you got to be self-aware in this part of you. That's right. You to look in the mirror. So I appreciate yep. You know, that secret. That's right. And the diversity fatigue sets in when you're not because you're not getting your way <laughs> and your lack of empathy to kind of walk in someone else's shoes. Right. That's what causes the fatigue because yeah. you're like, well, you know, why aren't they seeing it the way I see it? And why, you know, why are they thinking this way when I've had to do X, Y and Z? Yeah, exactly. And we always see people trying to haze to some degree, right. you know, people to try to make them go hard like they had to go hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Secret number two, you know, for us here in terms of don't perform. Like now, you know, this is one of our pet peeves anyways, when people are performative. So engage in authentic dialogue. Okay. This is for all the right reasons. Engage in authentic dialogue. Make sure what you say and what you do are in lockstep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, again, this is not do as I say, not as I do. Like we're saying to really walk the talk, you know, here. Actually learn about and get involved with communities that are different from your own. Mm-hmm. Diversity fatigue creeps in when you are inauthentic, you know, and then you engage in performative acts or don't hold others accountable. So, again, you in this for show. You yes. in this play play. You ain't in here trying to really make a difference. You in here on some self-serving nonsense, you know, sometimes. Right. So again, you, we're saying act, don't perform. That's right. No doubt. (laughs) And secret number three for individuals, suck it up, buttercup. Right. And this kind of ties into the first couple secrets we were just talking about. Because marginalized people have to do this every day. We have to put on a shield to protect our dignity and humanity every single day because we have no idea exactly what we might face when we walk out that door. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so we don't get to choose when we want to engage and what we want to engage on. And we certainly don't have time to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because if we do, we'll get crushed. We'll get crushed. We'll get squashed. So when you feel like giving that, yeah, but answer or moving on to the next topic, you have to catch yourself and suck it up and keep doing the right thing. That's where the work is. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I, again, I get tired every day, Keith. I get tired yeah. every day. I got to bite down and I got to keep going hard. That's you right. Know, so this, is, this is the suck it up buttercup piece. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, look, we also want to be able to share some secrets with everyone on how organizations can fight diversity fatigue. Because again, this is not just Keith and Ricky's responsibility, you as a listener's responsibility, your organizations have work to do here too. So we're going to steal directly from the McKinsey and Company report, Diversity Wins, How Inclusion Matters. They gave five tips on what organizations can do. Tip number one or secret number one here that they uh, provided was place accountability for diversity and inclusion efforts with leadership and equip them for it. So again, reward managers that demonstrate inclusive behaviors, you hit that pocketbook. You know, that's when things start to like really change. When people start noticing their check is a little light. Yeah. yeah. yeah they start asking questions. That's they right. To figure out that bonus how, was all messed up. Yeah. They start to figure out how to fill those holes. And leaders should commit to educating themselves on diversity, inclusion, equity, and bias, just as they would any other aspect of their work responsibility. This is a responsibility as well. Oh, absolutely. Because you think about, we all read industry reports. We all read the latest and greatest. We go to conferences to learn different things about what's going on in the industry. DNI has to be that same type of priority if you really mm-hmm. can change anything. Right? Secret number two for organizations from the McKinsey Report is bring down barriers to equity and equality through even-handedness and transparency. So again, We've talked about this before. Look at your pay and promotion practices. Evaluate every system and process for bias. And equity means having systems in place that ensures that employees get what they need to thrive, whether it's access, resources, or information. It does not mean that everybody gets the same thing necessarily at the end of the day. It's really making sure that everybody has that equal access to resources and information. Yeah. And when you bring down those barriers, like we said, like you just like you gotta you gotta act on it, right? Like so even if it's like, oh, it's gonna cost the company so much money, I mean, is it more money to replace the person or is it less money to do the right thing? <laughs> you know, you're right. And you can get creative. You don't have to do it all in one pop. You can do half now and half, you know, later after you accrue that. I mean look, Keith, you the finance guy. Like there's always a way. There's always a way. There's always a way. Look, secret number three for organizations is make sure you have diverse talent. There are tons of receipts out there that we've been able to show uh, to to been able to to showcase those for everyone. And they all show diversity equals higher revenue and profitability, greater retention, better products and services and better leaders. So focus on the skills and potential not the backgrounds. We talk about this all the time. Focus on the backgrounds and the learning agility, you know, individuals. Show up in places where diverse talent, where they live, where they reside, show up there so they can see you. Because again, it's hard for them to see you because they don't see people who look like them. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) So again, stop making excuses for not being able to find diverse talent and actually just take care of it. And take care of it. And if you need some help, just read our show notes. Or listen to the yeah, exactly. <laughs> we provide the information for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Uh, secret number four is to tackle those microaggressions head on and refuse to tolerate bullying or harassing behavior. At some point, someone just has to be made an example of. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard. I understand it's hard, especially for those leaders who are 
quote unquote performer or high performers, you know, but if they ain't doing the right thing, they need to go. They need to stop making excuses. You can't say you have a zero tolerance policy and then just let things slide by. That sends a signal to everybody that's really ain't important. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, we're talking about consequences. Like, look, Keith, you and I grew up in a different era, okay? Now, we knew how our mamas was going to act if we didn't do what we said we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Back when we was growing up, we was getting whoopings, okay? Whoop. So if you heard... Right. Yeah, whoopings, okay? So if you heard... One of your family members get the whoop on the this and other that made you act. It was like, hey, there's consequences if I don't do this. That's right. We all turned out a certain way. That's right. <laughs> you know, like that's right. Again, consequences. In this case, we're talking about the whooping is that money, that paycheck. The whooping is you not being a part of the organization anymore. Like again, be serious. Be about that business. Be about that action. If this is really you know important to you as an organization, absolutely. And part of that accountability too, Ricky, I don't know about your neighborhood, but the neighbors also had the permission to whoop your ass too. Yeah. And show it out. Right. That's the yeah. real accountability yeah. structure there. Right. Yeah, they sure did. Boy. They, 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 they cut it. So you you had two, three whoopings, you That's know, right. coming to exactly. you, Because if the neighbor whooped you, you were definitely going to get a second one when we got home. Yeah, yeah. Because you'd embarrass the family. <laughs> And you're acting stupid. Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a bit happening. And look in this um, last secret, you know, here secret number five for organizations. We're saying foster a sense of belonging through unequivocal support for multivariate diversity. Okay, it is important to create an environment where all employees can bring their whole selves to work. Now a lot of people talk about this, but they ain't serious, you know, about it, right? When employees feel undervalued, discounted, or excluded at expressions like everybody counts, that might actually backfire, right? Because you're like, everybody counts if they don't look like me. That's everybody right. counts if they don't uh, right. outspoken like me. Exactly. <laughs> That's like all lives matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So look, make sure that there is not a disconnect between what the leaders say in the way that they actually behave, right? Again, we're talking about walking the talk here and accountability. If everyone's input is actually needed, pay attention to which voices are being heard and validated and which voices you don't seem to hear, you know, very often, right? Mm -hmm. Again, this is belonging. We talk about this like it's not rocket science. And the truth is, is it ain't. Yeah. It ain't. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but yeah. it feels like it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. And so as we wrap up here, you know, you can find more resources on these secrets and receipts that we shared today by going to our website, secrets.com, looking in the show notes. Again, we'll have those couple tools there to be able to check your bias and some other things as well. So just go. There's always great information in there for you to continue to educate yourself and help break down these systems. Yeah. And look, uh, Keith, I know we do this every week, man, and I don't get tired of doing it because I'm just so appreciative. Right. But we really want to give a special thank you, a big virtual hug to all of our listeners and fans out there. We recently again, we, we're, we're so proud of it. So we're going to keep talking about it. But we recently won the Listener's Love Award from the Black Podcasters Association. And it's really all because of you. Right. That's because you all like what we're talking about. Y'all calling us up, sending us emails and giving us more, you know, topics to kind of speak about. So we appreciate you for that. And in turn, we just ask that you listen, 
continue to engage and bring others to the village, you know, here for us, right? Because you know you got a friend or a family member that needs some advice and they ain't going to listen to it from you. But what they hear from Ricky and Keith, it'll sound profound, okay? So again, you uh, you have made all of this possible. We're just appreciative. And be sure to uh, just to go out and write a review on Apple and Spotify, follow us on LinkedIn and continue to comment and share, you know, your thoughts on our, on our social media posts all of this, again, helps uh, us to be able to continue to build our village. And the bu- the village is strong. Let's, yes, let's, it is. let's say that. The village is strong. We wouldn't have won the Listener's Love Award without y'all, right? Because y'all voted. Exactly. Y'all, y'all showed up. Showed out. Yep. <laughs> so we appreciate that. And I wish I had a little cha-ching bell. We need to get a cha-ching bell or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So sound effects <laughs> in these podcasts or something. I don't know. But we're sliding up on five and a half, almost six million in total compensation increases that we've been able to help people achieve uh, by working with us. Because we are locked in on helping you get that coin, get your seat at the table. And we're just going to go out there. It is time for you to invest in yourself and get what you deserve, right? And if you've been thinking about mm-hmm. coaching, mm-hmm. now is the time. You can be ready for a new life in a few months, right? And it's time to just put yourself first. And we talk about this with our coaching clients. So many of them, they've been thinking about it. They've been waiting, uh, been putting everything else in front of them. It's time to put yourself first so that you can build that generational wealth for all those people you're trying to help that you keep putting in front of yourself at the end of the day. So again, sign up for those coaching services. Also check out that gear. It'll make a great gift for the holidays that's coming up here real soon. So again, these are ways to help your brother out. Yeah, and I see Keith, you know, over there sporting his gear today. Over there, all proud and shit. Yes, I, I, see am, I, am. I see, I see, I see. He gonna, he gonna get his. He gonna get his. And the one thing you'll never be able to accuse us of is being fatigued. Nope. Okay. I don't sleep. I don't sleep. Wasn't that a like, gospel I, song? Ain't they no ways tired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going exactly. through the fire. Yeah, we about to get this, and we certainly gonna keep talking about the systems and the practices that are wearing our people out every day. It's claiming folks, right? I mean, it's all kind of issues happening because of the system. So we're going to put a little more ice in these cups and get back to work and delivering this hot fire. So remember, as a reminder, although the system is set up to make you feel like you are, you are not crazy. So again, everybody, we, we, we want to validate that for you. So again, Thank you so much for listening to Secrets today. And just remember, when we share, you transform. Take care, everybody. Out. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed yet another episode of Secrets. In fact, one listener said that with Secrets, I learned new, actionable information listening to KP and PR. I enjoy the balance of data with the testimony of real experience. And we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please show these brothers some love. Subscribe and write a review on our podcast. And last, but certainly not least, elevate your professional game by signing up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when we share, you transform. Until next time, cheers.